Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tiny House Summit. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'm here with Lucy Litch. Lucy Litch is a yoga teacher, tiny houser, and host of Tiny House Conversations, an Australian-based podcast where Lucy interviews tiny housers, tiny builders, and other experts so you can learn how to start, design, and create your tiny life. Lucy has been on the path of conscious living for over 10 years and has worked in the wellness space for most of that time as well. She loves nature, yoga, breathwork, meditation, and sound healing. She's also passionate about regenerative farming and healthy cooking. Lucy recently moved into her tiny house and is excited to create a life of less impact, self-sufficiency, and deeper connection on the land. Lucy Litch, welcome to the summit. Ethan, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. Yeah, it's it's great to have you here. So, um, can you can you just expand a little bit on on kind of your ti- your tiny house journey? You know, when you got interested in tiny houses and and the path you took to to becoming a tiny house dweller yourself. Absolutely, I'd love to. So, I've been aware of tiny houses for I guess several years now. Um, I started to see just different videos online, and you know, all the all the photos on social media. And I thought it was was interesting, but it didn't really catch my eye for something that I might consider for myself until maybe about three years ago, I'd say. And uh, as you mentioned in the introduction there, you know, my path has been really about conscious living and health and wellness. And so for me, at some point, tiny houses became a natural progression into that way of life and the way that I, I kind of live and the way that I see life and what I wanted to create for myself. And so the curiosity came a few years ago and then there was a tiny house festival here in Sydney and I'd never seen or been inside a tiny house in person until that time. And I just remember going to this festival and the first tiny house that I stepped in, I was like, wow, I could, I feel like I could do this. Like I could see myself being in here, you know, for a longer period of time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's very different when you're actually inside one versus when you're just seeing it online. And so I really got to just imagine what my tiny way of life could be. And interestingly enough, fast forward a few, a couple of years later, and that first builder, the first tiny home that I ever saw in person is the actual building company that has just finished the, the build of my tiny home recently. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, I'm, uh, currently moving into my tiny house and it's just really, really exciting. And, you know, along the way, um, you talked about me having my podcast, Tiny House Conversations. I actually had another podcast probably five years ago. And when I finished that up, I, I kind of knew I wanted to come back to podcasting in a different way. And so that's when along the, the journey, I also decided to create Tiny House Conversations just as a way for me to learn as much as I could and also connect with people in the tiny house space. But then I also knew there's so many other people looking towards this way of life too. So I wanted to share those conversations. And so uh, it's just been this really natural and beautiful evolution of, I guess, unintentionally inserting myself into the tiny house space here in Australia uh, and just you know, going along this, on, along the ride. And I think we're going to talk about today, like what tiny houses are, what what the landscape is like here in Australia, but it's really great to be part of this growing movement, not only here but also around the world with people like yourself. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to to talk with you today and you know dive more into to tiny houses in Australia. 
Nice. Well, the summit is is admittedly very U.S. centric, and and for those who aren't in the U.S., I apologize. I'll I'll do better next time. I promise. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, lo- just looking at, you know, I can tell where people are, you know, by country basis, you know, based on who visits my website and who downloads the podcast, and and I would say that after the U.S. and Canada, Australia is is definitely like right up there in terms of of the traffic that I get. So I've always known that, okay, there's interest here, but could you, um, maybe could we could start with like a history lesson? What, what has the, the tiny house movement in Australia been like? Were there any, were there any people kind of like we have Jay Schaefer and D Williams here? Were there any like people in Australia who were, were pioneers of the movement? Yeah. So interestingly enough, from what I've known, because I'm not mm-hmm. one of the, I guess, early adopters of this space, mm-hmm. but from what I know from just being uh, amongst the tiny community and also obviously speaking to people on the podcast, there it, it really, I think, started out as more of a DIY movement, but now has kind of grown more into also having many tiny house builders in the space as well. So I know that, you know, Australia is a little bit further behind than say the US and and Canada and your part of the world. But I think we're Mm -hmm. catching up here quite a lot and it's growing a lot. And so there were some sort of earlier builders. Um, There's a guy named Fred Schultz who who will actually be on my podcast um, in a little while. And he was someone that started, uh, and actually he's from the the US, but he, he lives over here. And he was someone that started building, he built his own tiny house. Uh, he started helping other people build tiny houses. And so there are a few people like that. And then the tiny building company, Designer Eco Tiny Homes, who built my tiny home, they were one of the first, We call, well, I guess a lot of people call them the OGs of the uh, tiny house builders in Australia. And there's a couple of other bigger building companies. And then in the last two or three years, I feel like it's kind of just like exploded even more. So Mm -hmm. I'd say those building companies, the originals have probably been around in the last six or seven years here in Australia. I think before that, not many people, there there wasn't really that much going on. Like not many people knew about it. Maybe they'd heard and and seen things in in the States and the videos and the photos online. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, and, and I think also with everything that's happened in the world in the last two, three years, that even more people over here are looking towards this way of living. And it's a wide demographic of people. It's, I think, what maybe was before, uh, well, actually, I don't know. I, th- I think there's, yeah, there's a wide, let's just say there's a wide demographic of people. It's single people, it's couples, it's families with small children, it's families with teenagers, it's um, retirees, it's, uh, people that have been divorced and maybe, you know, looking towards an alternative living situation and and everyone in between. And so, and I can, and even in the last year alone, when you go to the different tiny homes expos, like the in-person festivals and things here, keep on seeing new faces pop up in the tiny house world. So all these new building companies, as well as still the original guys have been doing it for six or seven years. And it's just really exciting to see. And I don't know if you're completely aware of some of the sort of current events that have happened, say, in the last year here, but there have been things like floods and just different um, climate events and people losing their homes and, and, and rental crisis. And obviously, um, I know that it would be hitting you guys as well, inflation and all of that. So the costs of living are just sky high right now. So 
I think there's never been a better time for tiny homes and there's never been a time where it's been so popular, even going towards mainstream circles now, like you're seeing uh, pop up on the news and there's different stories too. So yeah, I get that, that's a bit of an overview, I think, of like where we're at at the moment in, in Australia. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can see a lot of parallels there. I know that there was a really big um, kind of jump in interest for tiny houses when the pandemic hit. And I think especially people who are living in cities were like, okay, I, I now I just want to get out of here and, and have a space of my own. And I know I know that in Australia, the, the pandemic... The, the, the lockdowns and the kind of mandatory quarantine was was much more strict than it was here in the States. So I would imagine that that was an even stronger motivator for people kind of wanting to get out of the cities and, and kind of have their own space. Absolutely. Uh, I know that was definitely true for myself and, and very true for other people. And there were parts of this country, uh, I think, especially down south in Victoria, where yeah, you would have heard of the really extreme lockdowns. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people have moved even out of that state now and come back to where I am in New South Wales or Queensland up north where it's a bit warmer and definitely tiny house living has been part of that conversation and I think there's a lot of sort of a ground up movement as well of because we're I think maybe similar to you guys I know there's been some success recently with time legalization of tiny homes but yeah there's also a lot of pushback from local councils and at the state level and all of that too but I think that um, the more people that are looking towards this way, uh, I'm hopeful that, you know, things will change, even if it takes a little bit of a, a longer time. But, yeah, definitely more people are looking towards tiny life here in Australia. So um, what is the current state of of the laws around both? I guess we could start with building tiny houses and then living in tiny houses because sometimes there are two separate sets of of rules there certainly are here yeah yeah look i'm no expert i just want to put that disclaimer out first but i can just let you know what i know from my understanding and then how it is in sort of the where i live yeah Uh, and i guess if anyone wants to know more about specifics of the the situation with the legislation and all of that is the Australian Tiny House Association over here has been working really hard with local council, local governments and and trying to really push forward tiny houses to be a really viable housing option legally. Mm -hmm. Um, But so just as an overview, I guess we could say that uh, we have something called the Building Code of Australia or the National Construction Code, but that only that really specifically applies to tiny house well, let's say fixed dwellings right so a home a regular home or say if someone wants to have a tiny house it would be a mm-hmm. tiny house on a foundation and if they were to go that route they would have to get something called a development approval or a da um, okay. from their local council to actually have that there and they can as far as I know, I don't know too much about that side of things, like the tiny houses on foundations. It's more the tiny houses on wheels. But as far as I know, I think they can do that if they go through the council. Whereas with tiny houses on wheels, so uh, they don't fit neatly into these national construction codes. Uh, and technically, you don't have to specifically uh, use those. And then they're also on top of the national construction codes, which are for foundations there's mm-hmm. the caravan codes maybe you guys i think know know them as rvs mm-hmm. and 
the caravan codes, most of the tiny house building companies are building according to those caravan codes. But the thing to note about that is that tiny houses on wheels, as you know, don't fit neatly into what a caravan is because they're built with building materials that are like houses and they're on wheels and, and all sorts of other things, right? They're a lot heavier and more structurally sound. And so there's that side of things. So they, so for the building aspect, most building companies will build to that. The Australian Tiny House Association recommends that even though you don't have to, because there's no overarching technical regulation to say you have to do this, that it is good to use as a guide for safety and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the building side. And then when it comes to parking, and I think you guys would call it zoning. Mm-hmm. So here in, a, in New South Wales, where I am, uh, it's, it's very different to other parts of the country, so all the other different states. But New South Wales is probably the most lenient, I would say, or the, the less least strict. But then mm-hmm. within the guidelines around um, caravans in New South Wales, every single council, every single local council then interprets or enforces those guidelines differently. And I would say probably... A, or more of people that live in tiny houses on wheels in Australia are kind of doing it under the radar without going through their local council. And it's a matter of, um, you know, doing the right thing, being responsible with, as you know, you know, your waste and, and, you know, getting along with the neighbours. But uh, in New South Wales, from my understanding at the moment, is that if you have a main house on a plot of land, you're technically allowed to have two caravans, people living in them full time. The wording in the the guidelines says members of the household can live full time, but what members of the household is, is also very ambiguous. It doesn't say it has to be an immediate member of your family or it has to have this, this and this criteria. So that's the long-term thing. Uh, otherwise people can only are supposed to live in them for maybe up to 30 or 60 days. And then there's that mm-hmm. whole Airbnb thing in the short term rental. So as you can see, it's a very much a gray area. Uh, yeah. And some people, I do know a couple of people that have actually just gone through the local council and they put a whole case together of this is what I'm doing for uh, power. This is what I'm doing for wet, uh, gray water and black water. And, you know, this is how, um, these are the plumbing certificates and the gas certificates. And, you know, these have been installed properly by professionals, but it was like a two-year process and they only Uh just got it approved. So, yeah, there's nuances and it just really differs wherever you are. And I guess you've kind of got to go down the path that feels most right for for you. Wow. So are there any, like, tiny house communities or tiny house villages in Australia yet? Yeah, so there are a few of those that I know of, and I'm sure there's many that I also don't know of. And I think also in the last couple of years, what Mm -hmm. I've observed is that, especially just being part of different Facebook groups, there's lots of people talking about trying to find those groups or trying to create them. So Mm. uh, I... I know of some, yeah, like in different parts of the country, I think especially up north around the, the Queensland area where it's the weather's a lot warmer most of the year round. And, um, but I'm sure there's also communities in, in, in different areas of the country as well and more people wanting to, to look at that way. Again, I guess 
they're more under the radar as well because of that gray area in the regulations. Sure. Uh, yeah. And are you, have you heard stories of people getting, you know, like forced to move or leave their tiny houses? I have heard, so there's one particular, I don't know the exact details. And this is kind of a story that I heard when I went to a tiny homes expo earlier this year. Okay. Here in New South Wales, there was a family out in the western suburbs of Sydney. So it was like a suburban area. Whereas, you, well, like we know that most people that live in tiny mm -hmm. houses are in a rural area, but this was actually like an urban backyard. I think the story goes that there was a family that decided to put a tiny house on wheels in their backyard. Mm -hmm. And then some neighbours ended up complaining to the council. And so the council tried to force them to, you know, I, I don't know if someone was living in there full time or what the story was, but maybe they tried to force them to, to not have that situation happen. And the family actually ended up taking the council or whoever the representatives were to court. And they actually ended up winning in favor of the family. And the, so they were allowed to do that. And I think that kind of case is, is sort of being something that's been brought up and, you know, kept in the back of mind. If, if, people that are in the know are aware mm -hmm. of this situation or come up against their situation. So I have heard of that. And I think I have heard just like little bits and pieces along the way and, and just seeing stuff online and talking to different people that I know in the community. There have been a, a few situations where it's usually the neighbors that the neighbors will, because they don't know maybe what's going on or they're, they're concerned, like what you're doing on the, on the land and, you know, all those types of things will go and mm -hmm. contact the local council I've heard stories of people, yes, being asked to move along, but I've also heard stories of people uh, getting a knock on their door from the local council member, but then the council not, uh, this particular story that I, that I heard, and I thought this was really interesting, the council member that actually knocked on the door was interested in tiny houses themselves. So yeah. they just was kind of coming to do what they were told to do, like trying to do their job to make sure that everything was okay, but actually ended up telling the couple, look, as long as you, if you write us a letter and say that uh, you don't live here full time or something like that, whatever it might be, and just send us this, this, and this, and then I just That's won't awesome. say anything. So there's that kind of stuff happening too, which is really great. And And then the other thing I would just say is that Often in some councils, tiny houses on wheels are kind of, I guess, considered a too hard basket sometimes, like don't know what to do with them, it's too much work. So uh -huh. unless someone complains, like a neighbor or something, there are people that they're aware that there are people doing it and they just don't, if they're doing the right thing and no one complains, I think there's a lot of that going on too, where they're just letting people be and do what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's, that's happening here as well, depending on the situation in the town. Mm. But a lot of times the people who work in zoning and planning and in, in basically housing are, are usually the most interested in tiny houses because they are <laughs> an, a unique and innovative and alternative uh, way of living. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, um, I feel so like we need, we need, Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I feel like we need some of those like little key people in those, like tiny house people yeah. in those positions to kind of have a bit of influence. And yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we hope for. Yeah. Um, so what is your tiny house parking or living situation with, with uh, the home that you just had built? <laughs> 
Yeah. So I, uh, interestingly, I mean, I think finding a parking space is one of those things that I feel like I know it was true for me and I know it's true for a lot of other people. It's like, okay, I know I want to live tiny, but like, I don't, I can't afford my own piece of land or I don't know anyone in my family or friend circle that has a piece of land. And that was me in my situation. Uh, Actually, I did know one person, but it was a matter of like where, where I actually wanted to live. I ended up fine. I found two parking spaces, but one of them didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, I live on the south coast of New South Wales now, which is about uh, four hours south of Sydney, which is where I used to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I was in Sydney, I was looking for my parking space and I was just going through the different avenues. Like I Facebook groups, asking friends and family. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's also a platform over here called Park My Tiny House, um, which is pretty much, yeah, uh, connecting landowners with tiny houses, basically, landowners that have space. And so, yeah, so that was an avenue I was looking at as well. But initially I got introduced to someone through uh, a Facebook friend that uh, had a a big acreage of land and Uh I ended up going to meet the lady and I saw the land and she had all these kangaroos on there and it was really, really beautiful. And she said, oh, we actually need some help on the land. Like maybe you could just come down here and live in the caravan that was already on the the land until your tiny house is being built because it was still being built at that time. And so I ended up just moving my whole life down here three months ago. But what was interesting was after the first, I reckon by the second day of being there, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't think this is the right place for me. Like I had a feeling. And then as a couple more days came went by, I I thought, yeah, this is definitely not the right place for me. And it was really stressful because my tiny house was in the process of being built. And I'm like, okay, this isn't going to work out and I need to make a quick decision now and I need to find somewhere else. So I literally spoke to my friend that that runs this part, my tiny house platform. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, she had someone two minutes down the road from where I was who happened to be a yoga teacher. She wasn't actually someone that I knew personally, but later I found out that she's, she knows people in down here in the yoga community that are friends of mine. And so she introduced us and I went and met her and it was just, it felt, you know, it felt right. And so fast forward to now, and that was probably a few months ago. Um, that's where my, my tiny's being parked and, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. So it's about five acres of land. I don't know what the conversion is of what you guys use, but um, there's permaculture gardens, there's chickens, there's bees, and and it's just a beautiful space. So I'm just super grateful because, yeah, I really want to park my tiny house on on land and, and just be out there in nature all the time. And so, yeah, that's what's happening for my tiny. That sounds great. Well, it's been so fun to, to hear about this. What, what are you looking towards for the future in terms of what's on the horizon in Australia in terms of laws or legalization efforts? Is there, is there anything that you, that you know about? Well, the Australian tiny house association that they've been working, as I mentioned before, alongside Mm -hmm. the, the councils and the government for a while and advocating uh, there's, I mean, one thing that's really interesting to mention that is just come up in the last couple of weeks is, uh, Tiny house insurance, which is related to all of this, mm-hmm. 
was a real big gray area and the big company that was providing insurance for tiny houses on wheels kind of backed out recently. And so that Australian Tiny House Association has, has now sort of uh, been working alongside one other really big insurer over here in Australia to have tiny houses on wheels, um, be able to receive, you know, full insurance. And, you know, it's not, they don't have to jump through so many hoops um, to, to, to be able to do that. And so that's a really big positive step forward. And I think with changes like that in insurance, that it sort of hopefully paves a bit more of the way for the laws and things as well. But I think that also what has happened with the floods and people losing their homes in the housing crisis, that there's been a bit more leniency too. Like, as I mentioned before, in New South yeah. Wales with the grey areas, I think people can actually live in their tiny homes on wheels for up to two years without any like anyone asking any questions. So I think that's like one of the things that's happening at the moment. Nice. Uh, I I don't know. And then there's there's changes as well in, because the other aspect of it is like uh, tiny house. And this is what I talked about with Fred on the podcast recently, the guy that I mentioned initially, he's very passionate about um, safety and tiny houses being transported on the road and all of that too. There's, I Mm -hmm. think there's been some advancements with the, he calls them tiny house vehicles. Um, There's different regulations around moving them on the road as well. So I don't have, yeah, I, I don't have a full clear insight into exactly what's like coming and all of that, but I do know that Australian Tiny House Association, they're doing so much great work and I just, I'm hopeful that, you know, things start to, to change a little bit and yeah, that uh, it's not going to go away. It's not a fringe movement. And so I think local councils and all of that are going to have to listen and, and get on board and yeah. So I think it's just watch this space is what, is what I can say, I think. Nice. Well, that's, um, that kind of leads me into my kind of wrapping up questions of just, um, you know, you've mentioned the Australian Tiny House Association. Um, your podcast, Tiny House Conversations, is also a great resource. Um, where Are there any other places or, or organizations or groups that you, you know, point people to if they're interested in learning more about the Australian tiny house movement? Yeah, so I would say if online, definitely the Australian Tiny House Association, but if someone is, if someone's listening and they're in Australia, um, the tiny homes expos that are here, they're Mm. the biggest tiny homes events, in-person events in the country, and they're happening all around the country. So I think it's tinyhomesexpo.com.au. And yeah, that, that's an opportunity to just go and see tiny houses in person. I know that mm-hmm. you also have obviously like a, it's probably going to be a lot of um, US-based people here too listening. Actually, one, my podcast outside of Australia, I think the US is actually the, the next biggest audience. So I guess, yeah, if, if they're just curious about what's happening in, in this part of the world, but they're on the other side, I think, yeah, Australian Tiny House Association, parkmytinyhouse.com.au, the platform that I mentioned before, um, that connects tiny houses and, and landowners. Um, she has a lot of great resources too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think those would be the main ones um, that I can think of at the top of my head as well. And yeah, tinyhouseconversations.com, that's my podcast. Um, you know, as you know, Ethan, I do very similar things to what you're doing over on the other side of the world. I'm just in Australia and, and focusing a lot more on, on what, what's happening here in Australia. But I do obviously interview people like yourself and others from other parts of the world. So. 
Awesome. Well, I, I really enjoyed our podcast interview and, and you can find it on both feeds. It's, it's in both places. <laughs> um, yes. Well, Lucy Litch, thank you so much for, for joining the Tiny House Summit. Thanks, Ethan, so much for having me. It's been really great to be here.